0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Stacey West podcast. I'm Ben and as ever, Gary's with me. How are you doing, my good man?
1: I'm actually just combing my beard while you were talking and I've hit a knot.
0: Oh no, that's never good.
1: No. But yes, no, so I'm all right. Not... Other than that, my friend,
0: <laughs> good stuff. I keep a beard
1: uh, comb on my desk, uh, and for, for, for moments just like this, when I need to think, but then I want to put my fingers on my face, so I run a beard <laughs> comb.
0: I, I had a I had an unfortunate uh, unfortunate shaving incident the other day. I used a trimmer that was slightly too uh, s- slightly too close, so I've lost I've lost my glorious beard. Did you have a glorious Jesus. beard? Well, I had, you had, stubble. It semi, you had stubble. It wasn't then. quite as it was not, not bloody stubble. I mean, it wasn't as uh, you know, it wasn't as fantastic as yours. But you
1: know, it I think job. I can't think what um, my uh, my boss, let's say Ash, over in the Philippines the other day made some reference to my magnificent beard. So, uh, but unfortunately, <laughs> so did my other half, who said it makes me look like I'm in al Qaeda and I need to get it cut. <laughs> so, my magnificent beard will probably next weekend. Uh, she says an inch off the bottom at least, and then she tried to prove the point that it was to Al Qaeda uh, by plaiting it, uh, and it didn't work. So I, um, I
0: think that proved my point. But <laughs> thing is, right? Rach was um, Rach was all you know. So, oh, it's too long. You need to cut. It. You need to cut. It. You need to shave it. You need to cut some off it. So I did, and admittedly took a little bit too much off it. And she went, oh, it's too short now. I was like, make your fucking mind up. Just uh, anyway, right? We're not here to talk about beards. We're here to talk about football. Yes. Um, so obviously, the Imps went away to Shrewsbury yesterday. Uh, came away with what I think is is a decent point. Ultimately, um, all things considered. Um, tough, tough afternoon with the weather as it was. You know, particularly in the second half, uh, where it was against you know against us. Um, yeah, I mean, overall thoughts on on the day.
1: Um, yeah, I think team selection is the first thing to talk about because I think he mm-hmm. pulled quite a few uh, interesting things out of the bag. First of all, four four two, because I think one big question on the back of the signings, which obviously came after we'd done the pod, but I think you know we, we touched upon them in the pod or certainly some of them. Um, yeah, but I think accommodating Tyler Walker and Tyrese John Jules was the big question. You know, mm. if John Jules is coming here to play regular football, where does that leave Tyler Walker? And with 15 goals, I certainly hope it leaves Tyler Walker up front for us for the rest of the season. So um, interesting that the system might have been adapted to suit the personnel, which kind of goes against what we've seen in the past. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously the emissions were big, weren't they? You know, there was no, uh, obviously no Bruno Andrade who was injured. Uh, but there was mm-hmm. no Jack Payne, no Michael O'Connor, no Harry Anderson. And you're talking here players that were, um, at the beginning of the season, first-team players. And I think that's really interesting. Um, obviously, by the time people listen to this, we'll probably know the reason why Michael O'Connor wasn't playing. Um, mm-hmm. but Jack, And Harry Anderson was injured. But Jack Payne not being in the side, considering he's pro- probably going to be one of the bigger earners, was a real surprise.
0: Yeah, that that was, um, I mean, we did speak very briefly before we started recording about it and I thought, uh, personally, I was I was really surprised that Jack Payne wasn't involved in the squad at all. Um, uh, it was, uh, you know, obviously a big signing coming in. Uh, he was very, very impressive uh, in the first few games. I mean, he was, you know, my man of the match persistently throughout uh, the first few home games of the season. I thought he had a blinding start. But, um, excuse me, since then, I think, I don't know. It's almost like he's uh, he, he's he's being pushed to play out on the on the left, and he, it's not really his his favoured position by the looks of it. So no, he's not a winner. no, so I don't know. I don't know whether he's going to be finding himself out of favour even even more going forward, or well, you know where he's going to sit. For me, if we're
1: playing the the four two three one, and that poses questions now in itself around. John Jules and Walker, because personally, I don't think you can drop Tyler Walker when he's in the form he's in at the minute. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're playing the four two three one, I can see Jack Payne playing in in the hole behind the striker. I can see him playing the role that Jake Hesketh plays. I think Jake Hesketh has got the ability to play out on the wing, which we saw on Saturday. I think mm-hmm. had Harry Anderson been fit, Jake Hesketh would probably not have started the game because I think to get the natural width, you need a natural winger. And I don't think Hesketh is as naturally a wide player as Harry Anderson. It's all Harry Anderson knows, isn't it? Harry Anderson mm. um, gets the ball and runs down the line. That's what he does. Um, so we need natural width, but I don't think we rely on it quite as much as we did do. Um mm. You know, I think some of the, passi- the passing patterns you see springing from the middle and kind of going cross field. And when they're going cross field, when, and I, I picked it up again, uh, the last home game, can't remember. Peterborough. Mm-hmm. When you're pinging the ball, from left to right, quite often you don't need a natural winger or as natural winger out wide because there's more space for them to actually move. And, you know, a natural winger will deal in tight spaces as well as wide spaces. So I think in that respect to Jake Hesketh out wide works when you've got Jack Payne out wide, what he tends to do is he wants to come inside all the time. And then that means mm. you've got nobody at all, not just hugging the touchline, but providing that outlet. So um, it's a challenging time for Jack Payne and it's interesting mm given the sizes of the contract we imagine he's on, and let's face it, none of us know. We can all talk about what we think people earn and what we think they Mm -hmm. don't earn. Um, But given the size of the contract we think he's on, it's very interesting that he was dropped completely from the squad.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, it it was the way that it was kind of mentioned in the, uh, in the post-match where he said, oh, you know, Jack's not made the squad. Um, it, It was, it was very surprising to me to, to hear that. Um, I hope it doesn't completely shatter him. You know, I know it's probably, it's, you know, some people probably say, Oh, he should be made of stronger stuff if he wants to be a footballer. But, you know, if, if you're, if you're week in, week out in the squad playing, you, you know, and not necessarily playing badly. Um, and then the next game you find yourself just completely out of the picture. And I don't know if he traveled with the team. I don't know if he, you know, I don't even know if he went there, but, um, it's It's not great um it, and hopefully you know he'll he'll bounce back from it and and be have this have the mentality to prove himself, but
1: uh let's not forget this though we went there <clears throat> playing a four four two, which mm-hmm. doesn't suit Jack Payne because he's not a natural wide player. We've now yeah, got Zach Elbazedi on the bench, so if we needed the width, we've got width on the bench. So Mm -hmm. maybe in that respect, you're then looking at the rest of the lineup and the players that you may or may not need. Footballers have got to take these knocks. And for the last Mm. two or three years, let's be real, we've probably only been working with a squad of 16 or 17. You know, I know Danny Danny used to talk about having 19s and 20s, but quite often they were made up of players that probably wouldn't make the matchday squad on a regular basis. And there was very, very rarely any surprise. I mean, I think certainly in our two years in the Football League, you could name not only the subs bench, but you could name the players that were coming on as well. You know, when, yeah. in the days when it was, well, you know, Elliot White also coming on 60 minutes and Ollie Palmer on 65 minutes. And even last yeah. year to a degree, there was only ever a puzzle over maybe, oh, who's going to actually start on the left or is he going to start reading? It? Do you know what I mean? There was never big questions. Now, mm. two o'clock every Saturday, you get in your phone thinking, what's Michael Appleton got up his sleeve this week? And mm. since the beginning of December, bar the Sunderland debacle, you know, there's not been many errors made in terms of team selection. And mm. probably, you know, Sunderland wasn't really team selection either, was it? Sunderland was just the fact that we, we
0: were shit at the back. Yeah. I mean, Sunderland was, it was individual mistakes, you know, and yeah. it's, yeah. We've but that, um, yeah, I I don't know. I'd, I know it's going to be, it's going to be one of those things that people will, you know, undoubtedly pick up on and, and, say oh well that must mean that Jack Payne's going somewhere and all the rest of it but uh, I don't know like you say the, the fact that it wasn't necessarily suiting his uh, his style um, at the weekend I don't know but yeah here's hoping we'll uh, we'll see more from him soon as well because uh, as I say start of the season he was absolutely on fire wasn't he? Mm, don't think I've seen a Jack Payne goal well, and they've both been scored away from home uh yes, one was at Backpool. Blackpool, which I was fortunate enough to see. Um, I can't remember the other one. No, I
1: can't. I'm sure he has scored another one.
0: Uh, yeah, and the thing was, I, I was, I was fairly confident that when he got one, you know, the floodgates had open and we'd start to see more. But it didn't really happen in that uh, in that mm. sense. So anyway, there was a game following all of that controversial team selection, wasn't there? There was, yeah. Um, I thought it was all right. I mean like i said it 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 was uh it was dictated by by the weather to a certain degree um i think the you know that it it definitely didn't help when you've got a wind like that blowing at your back for the second half um and i think ultimately we well you said it on the podcast last week and i I really agreed with you that it it was it it was written on the wall that it was going to be a draw wasn't it
1: yeah, I mean, I got I called the draw, but I said that it was going to be Dower, and I think it was anything but Dower. Um, I think between the two teams there was twenty efforts at goal, and I think between the two teams eight were on target. Um, I mean, the first thirty minutes were they were it was a, quite a, an interesting. I wouldn't say a game of chess because it wasn't Dower as I as I described Shrewsbury and the build up, but it was. Um, It was a game that I felt we could win, but I felt we could lose. And again, that might go in the list of stupid things Gary says that Pete Summers texts him about on a Monday morning. Um, (laughs) Because he did actually message me the exact words. You've said something stupid again after last week. Uh, But anyway, um, you know, it it, it felt like one of those kind of really finely balanced games. Um, And Mm. and then they got the goal, which it's a penalty. Uh, There's no doubt about that. It was an emphatic Emphatically put away and then we had 10-15 minutes going into half time, you know, absolutely backs to the wall where I would imagine a majority of Shrewsbury's shots came from and almost certainly all of their shots on target came from, yeah. um, you know, and Michael Appleton, one thing I do believe, and he said this on the podcast himself, is he's very good at halftime. Uh, and I, I do think that he has the ability to get into the players at half time. And it makes me wonder again, we're going back to the, the pod that he did with his live. And I think he said, you know, I don't speak to the players before the game. They know that I'm there, but they know what they've got to do. And then I speak to them at half time. Well, when I see the impact that he has on them at half time, I just wonder if maybe, you know, he could actually be more of an influence in those early stages before. But, you know, I'm only going on what he's told us, not on any. You know, I, I don't know for a fact what happens, but um, you know, mm. he turned it around. We got the goal straight after half time, and then basically it was more or less one way traffic for twenty twenty five minutes.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the, I, I mentioned on uh, on Twitter that their keeper had an absolute blinder second half. I thought he was fantastic. Um, you know, he obviously made a, a save from George Grant. Um, he tipped no, it onto
1: no, the bar, Grants. He, he tipped uh, he, it. And he went onto the he bar. Tipped didn't it he tipped it just
0: just over, I think. Yeah, and then oh, there was, uh, yeah, there, was um, there was one from Shackle from the resulting corner. I think it was Shackle hit the bar.
1: That wasn't Shackle hit the was bar. It? That's
0: it. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, it honestly looked like there was only one team that was going to win that um, after half time. Uh, if you know, if, if it was going to be a, um, a, a, a sort of win or a loss or whatever, but um, yeah, it, it, it was quite. It was quite frustrating to watch at times because you just think when a keeper has a game that good, again, it's it's getting to that point where, like Michael said, you know, he's making us hard to beat. But when another team does that, it's just, it's quite frustrating to, to sit through in it, at times. It's, uh...
1: It is, but that's football, isn't it? That's football oh, yeah, yeah. at this level. You know,
0: Shrewsbury have got everything bar
1: Tyler Walker. And genuinely, I think, you know, they're three at the back. I mean, let's not forget they lost probably their best defender halfway through the first half in Aaron Pierre, who's an absolute Mm -hmm. monster of a defender. Um yeah. they've got decent setup. They, they they operate the three five two or whatever whatever it is, three four three, but it's not really. They operate it quite well. You know, they are very the wing backs work really, really hard hard. Scott Goldborn was a free agent last year, I think, before he came here. Before he went to Shrewsbury rather, and he, he was at Wolves before and thought he had a superb game for them. Um and you know, they're they're key as I think we touched upon in the preview show, that you have absolutely got to be on your metal if you're a fullback playing with three central defenders because mm. you you either get penned back in or you get caught out if you're not on your game and they were right on it. Um, so you know, when you've got that, you have to be ready to have an effort. And that's another thing that struck me yesterday was you know, it doesn't seem all that long ago that we were talking about shot-shy shot City, that could have gone really
0: wrong. Try saying that, you know what I mean? Is. <laughs> I think I'll be all right. I'm, I'm going to pass on that. Yeah,
1: yeah. And you know, we were talking about that and we weren't having efforts at goal. And that was even Coventry and Oxford, not a single shot on goal in two games was what I was told. And, um, mm. and I think that you can see over the course of the weeks, things just coming through from the training ground. There's, you know, the, the neater little passes of play and the little passages and patterns that we're finding, certainly for the first half effort from Tyler Walker, um, lovely little passage of play, little triangles. I mean, you can tell that they're being coached by somebody who has played and coached at the highest level. Um, But you're going to come up against good goalkeepers, good defenders. And yeah, I always say that we play better when teams come and try and attack us. Uh, and, and Shrewsbury didn't try and shut up shop, and we could have won the game um and George Grant was immense, my man of the match, I think,
0: yeah, he had a fantastic game um i thought he was he was unlucky not to get on the score sheet um as i say it was it was primarily due to a just a phenomenal display from uh, from their keeper but uh yeah um i'm not i'm not disappointed i'm not you know i don't feel like we that's a game that we should definitely have won and that it's, you know, it's two points dropped. I mean, it's, it's away from home. It's a game that, you know, people would probably say, oh, we should have won that. But if it's at home, maybe, you know, maybe we should, if, if that game's played at a Bank, maybe that game swings in our favour. Um... Away from home, you, it's the old adage, isn't it? You know, you win your home games, you draw your away games, and that's how you get success. But. Yeah, you
1: see, I can't, I can't agree with that only because I didn't last year. After we drew one or with Mansfield, and my mate Dave said, "Coming away from the ground, you win your home games, draw your away games," and we haven't won our home game there. And it's like you win half your games, you draw the other half of your games, you go up well, whether they're home or away. And mm. you know, last year it was our. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm saying I'm not going to be a hypocrite by saying that now. Um, mm. Last year, we won lots of away games and drew lots of home games and we were champions. So, you know, I... Yeah, I mean, Sorry, I, but- I know what
0: you mean. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's it's like, it's the 50-50 split, isn't it? But I think last year we, we had that sort of, almost that slight anomaly where we were fantastic away from home. And then when it came to the, you know, when it came to playing at Central Bank, something just, something never felt like it was clicking. But I think this season, it it just feels a little bit more... I don't know that there just seems to be a bit more life in it when, when we're at home.
1: Mm. Um, I also can't, um, can't go back on the fact that on the pod, I said, this is a game that we should be winning and Shrewsbury. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to be a hypocrite and make out that I didn't say that. Um, Shrewsbury on the run that they were on going into the game. I felt that it was a game that we could go away and win. Um, Having Mm. seen how they actually played and that a lot of the negativity coming out of Shrewsbury is from a sense of entitlement, not, the actual product that they've got in front of them, um, mm. I actually think it was a decent point. And it's a decent point because we should have won. If we'd gone and it was one-all and we were battered for the entire second half, we'd say we perhaps wouldn't be as positive about the point. We'd be saying we were lucky to come away and get a draw. But I think it's another situation where we've gone away to a team that are established in League One with good players um, and we've more than matched them. And let's face it, we could have drawn 1-1 at... Oxford, 1-1 one, one at Coventry, we could have mm. drawn at a number of different places. Um, I think Portsmouth uh, was another one that springs to mind. So I, yeah, I think, I don't think there was anything significantly different in how, we are, how, how I feel about our performance from mm. away games that we have lost and away games that we've won. Um, but I think when you take into account two of our players had never played a senior game of football before. Um, or a you know a football league game before in Connor Coventry and Tyrese John Jules, and the players had probably not had a week to get used to the the new setup. we were playing four four two. I I just think it was that contributes to it being a good result rather than yeah. it being a lost two points.
0: Yeah, I mean let's let's talk about the 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 debutants for a little you know for a couple of minutes. Um, I thought I thought John Jules looked uh, looked quick. He looked pacey. He looked dangerous. Um I think if he gets the link up right with the uh, with Walker, I think we're gonna see plenty of goals uh, throughout the rest of the season. Um and I thought Connor Coventry had, had quite an assured game for you know, for a lad that young. I thought he looked he looked quite impressive. Um obviously he was a little bit naive in his tackle that gave away the penalty, but I thought he, he was I thought he was solid um for, for the most part. What about yourself? I thought they had decent starts. Um when you look
1: at the numbers. I mean, John Jules I don't think got a shot off didn't l- give a pass that led to a shot, um, but he, he put himself about sufficiently and showed mm. enough nice touches and nice turns of movement that make you think yes he could be important over the rest of the season um, yeah. whether he's no Tyler Walker. And that's mm. not criticising him. Um, you know, this is a young kid at a younger stage of his career who who could well have an impact for us. Um, mm. But, you know, I, if it was the case that we had brought him in because Tyler Walker was going back to Forest, I might feel a little cheated. Um, mm. If that's not the case, which I'm sure it's not, then you think, well, actually now we've got some more energy, some more pace up there. And as those two get further down the line in their relationship, I think that we'll see um we'll see something very different. And that's not me being critical of John Jules. Uh, you know, first game, first senior game, League One, big defenders. I mean, you know, he, he won't come up against the back three very often at this level. Mm. Um so yeah. you know, he did well. As for Connor Coventry, thought he was edgy the first ten, fifteen minutes. Certainly grew into the game. Um, you know, if over the course of the next six months, he is Michael O'Connor's replacement, which is what people tend to seem to be saying at the moment on the internet, and we'll, you may know more by the time we're talking. Um, my only worry is going to be about experience. Uh, but then experience is... It's all relevant, isn't it? Because what is experience? It's about lifting players when they're down. It's about knowing how to soak up pressure, knowing when to get the ball away. That's not necessarily experience. Clever footballers can do that as well. And through the course of the afternoon, I thought I saw enough in Connor Coventry to make me think he is a clever footballer. Um, Yeah, we talk about the naivety for the penalty, but it wasn't the sort of mistake that has you going, shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you, yeah, will see, yeah. You, you will see players up and down the country who have played 300 football league games making that tackle as well. It was unfortunate for him that it was yeah. on his debut. Um, but again, I think if we hang on to Joe Morell and we play Morell and Connor Coventry in central midfield for the rest of this season, if they've got Jason Shackle and Kean Bolger or Kean Bolger and Michael Boswick behind them, players that read the game well and that can keep them, keep them on point... Um, Yeah. And then again, you know, how arrogant is that saying that that Joe Morrell, a Wales international, um, needs keeping on point by anybody? So (laughs) two very, very talented young players who um, is going to be exciting to see how they do with our home game um, advantages over the the, the coming weeks. What is it? Is it something like 12 home games and seven away games we've got left or something like that?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think it's something like that. Yeah. Um, Twelve and it's twelve and, six, 12 and 8 or something but yeah there's not i think we've got about four or five more than home than away so it's quite exciting i mean what's uh, what's your take on on the loan situation at the moment do we think that we're going to see any of, any more of them go back or do we think maybe you know we'll, we'll be sticking around till the end of the season as per we uh, so what, as per the initial expectation
1: so what we've got now we've got the two new boys uh we've got Jake Hesketh, mm-hmm. uh Tyler Walker and Joe Morrell, is that it? I think so. Yeah, I would think if anybody, it would be Hesketh. He was only on a six months anyway, wasn't he? So uh, there's, there's oh,
0: that's important. Oh, uh, um, Aaron Lewis as well. I forgot that. No, Aaron Lewis. Well, well, although he's not alone, he's not alone. Sorry, no short-term contract. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I think Lewis will probably sign until the end of the season. I think in terms of loans, it's it's going to be difficult now for for us to loan anybody in because we've got five loan players who started. Mm. So. That makes transfers in difficult because it's tough to sign permanent players at this time of the year, unless he's got another Teo Eden up his sleeve who, you know, we've got, we get to see, and I don't think we'll see him regularly in the first team until next season. Mm. Um, but it's tough because if you bring somebody else in, one of the players that started this weekend can't be in the squad. You can only have five in your matchday squad. Um yeah interesting that there isn't a wasted loan this year you know like we've had them in the past james brown jordan roberts um even you know arguably jordan williams was a little bit there's no wasted loans here mm. you know the loan players that have come in are of a quality that we haven't seen and that's both managers because you look at morel and tyler walker um you know, i don't think i've seen a loan pair. That have impressed me over a period of 6 months at Lincoln City as much as those two. Bear in mind David Sommer um did save us from relegation but I'm talking about two in the same team. Uh yeah. because they've both been absolutely excellent. Um you know and we've got to hang on to Tyler Walker and if he keeps you know with the home games that we've got Walker could hit 25 30 goals this season. He's on 15 already and we you know we're not even into we're not even out the first two weeks of January. yet. It's frightening. Mm-hmm
0: yeah and, and I think the um the, the the overarching thing for me is is when it keeps coming back to you know who's going to get recalled if anybody and I, I just sit there thinking well you listen to the way that um that michael's talking about the the players that he's bringing in and the people that he wants to sit with and how the the current loanees are he, he talks about Joe morell and he says look at how Joe morell's developed while he's been at lincoln City and he's he's been the kind of player that these the the people that are coming in on loan they will talk to him they'll they'll sit there and they'll, they'll say to joe like you know what's it like what's the atmosphere like what's it, you know how is it in terms of a club and you know the the facilities the development opportunities joe morell for me is currently one of the bigger adverts for lincoln city if you like because you look at what's happened since he's been since he's been at the club i mean he's been a He's obviously been picked for the Wales international side because he's been playing regular football. Yes, it's at a League One level when a lot of the, the Wales squad are playing at a high level, but the fact is that they know his quality. They know what he can do. And yes, he belongs to a championship. Yes, sorry. Yes, he's been playing at a League One level, but he belongs to a championship club. I, The worry that I have is whether Bristol City at the moment need that kind of player. They need that central midfield role. No, um they don't. You and- said that, didn't yeah, and, and they've got it,
1: if, players coming in.
0: Yeah, so if they've got multiple players in that role already, does it make sense for him to be recalled? No. But I don't think it does at the moment. Um and then the other side of it is you look at Tyler Walker. Now, does it make sense for Tyler Walker to be recalled? that's a little bit, for me, that's a little bit more of a a different conversation. Well, yeah, because it can't
1: be recalled just off Nottingham Forest's own back from what I understand. That's,
0: yeah, that's what I've heard as well.
1: I've Um, heard that. Let's just say I've had, I had that from as good a source as it could come from. Okay. There's no worry. (laughs) Uh, I didn't have it from Tyler Walker himself, which is probably the very best, but as I I understand (laughs) it from a very, very good source, uh, you can end a loan early, but I don't, because I think there was a fee paid of uh, some description. And again, that I don't know, that wasn't part of the discussion I had, but All I right. believe that if Forrest want him back uh, and the player wants to go back, then obviously they could, they could move to force it. Um, but I, I, you know, Forrest are trying to loan. and um, alone, they have to Billy Sharp and they after somebody else, I don't, I think Tyler Walker stays put, I really do. Unless, Michael, unless there's a wage implication or something like that, that that Michael wants to do. But, you know, when you look back over the last seven or eight games, I mean, he scored five in four, for instance, you know. Mm. And when you think of the penalties he's missed, you know, he's missed two penalties at least this season. He certainly missed some London Ipswich. I don't know if there was another one. You know, he'd be on 17 now. 17 goals. He's he's, crazy. he's, he's, He's key. He's absolutely key. And replacing him in the summer... Uh, when you know he goes back to Forest and his price tag is suddenly 1.5 million because he's 22 when he scored 20 goals a season in League Two and then League One, you know we're not going to be end- we're not going to buy Tyler Walker, um, mm. so it's interesting, very interesting. Yeah, I also I missed a hint that Michael dropped. Michael Appleton dropped me when I met him before because, I mean, I can say it now because the transfer window's come up, but we had an off-the-record talk about loan players and he was like, well, we have a conversation with them and, you know, if we think that they need to go back and, uh, you know, if we think we can keep any of them permanently. And I came away from that meeting thinking, you're living on cloud cloud cuckoo land, mate. We're not going to keep any of our loans permanently. Completely forgetting Max (laughs) Melbourne. Max Melbourne, yeah. So, um Yeah, so that 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 was Shrewsbury, really. I think by by the end of the game, going back to it, I think that they would felt lucky to get a point. Um, and I think what you you gather from that is that's that's another feather in our cap because mm. you know that a couple of years ago we met them and we were the league below them and they were pumping for the championship and we were the giant killers at Wembley. And uh, yeah, I know we can't keep looking back in the past and saying this is what's happened, but you know the journey that we've been on, I actually think that. You know, get another year of the d- the sort of development that we're showing, and we will be, you know, regularly be a better side than than Shrewsbury Town.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think um, the the statement of intent, if you like, in the in the transfer window with the the, the players that have been brought in, obviously two on loan, two permanent. Um, they're the kind of players that we've discussed before about. You know, that they are the, the type of players that Michael Appleton will want to bring in. You know, they're young. Uh, they've got bags of pace. I mean, we've not even talked about um, Zach Albizetti. I think he's got pace to burn by the looks of it from the weekend. Um, and I think those those kinds of players, when you start mixing them in with the likes of Michael Boswick, it's it's going to be, you're going to have that martial influence, um, you know, in, in bosie and in players, more senior players in the squad. And, and that goes back to um, the Peterborough game. Just, I know I mentioned it on the podcast before, but when you've got you know, when you've got Joe Morell mouthing off after someone's been sent off to try and get more players wound up. And then you've got Bozzi that just comes in and, you know, puts his hand on his chest and he says, look, you stop it now. That's the kind of perfect mix, if you like, that I, I can see really benefiting the club going forward. So
1: do you think Bozzi one of the players? Because Michael said after the game, didn't he, that he's had one or two quiet conversations with players that are currently out con- going out of contract for next season. Do you think Bozzy will be one of those?
0: I hope he is. I really hope not he not is. not a question. Well, I, if I think he if if I think he's been identified as a key player that uh, will need to be kept, then yeah. See,
1: um, I, I think Neil Erdley will be one.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely.
1: I think you've got to keep that uh, experience, and I I can't see Jason Shackle being the player that stays on next season. No, you know I think we're finding out that you know Bruno probably won't be, Michael O'Connor probably won't be, which I'm gutted about. Um, mm. I think Harry Toffolo will be. I think Toff's one that he'll want to keep for next season. You know, yep. Bolger's already under contract. John Akindy's still under contract. Um, Tom Pett's out of contract. I would be very, very surprised if we saw Tom Pett play for Lincoln again. Um, mm-hmm. Lee Frecklington's out of contract, I think, isn't he? I would be yeah. massively surprised if we saw Lee Frecklington play for Lincoln again. Um, yep you know it's, it's it's such it's so much transition happening so suddenly and I'll be honest my worry before the Shrewsbury game and we we'll, we'll, as we as we move smoothly on to tuesday my worry for for tuesday as well especially given the opponent um, is that we fall into a trap that we did 10 years ago yeah. because it was exactly 10 years ago that chris sutton um brought in a whole load of lone players uh, instead of our first team players and cost us the FA Cup tight against Bolton. I think he played Michael Uwezu that day and he played a couple of others who hadn't done anything to get us to, to the FA Cup and we lost 4-0 at Bolton, which not a terrible result against a Premier League team. Uh, and then the year after, Steve Tilson bringing in faceless loan players, you know, like... Tom Kilby, I think, was one. I might even have got his name wrong. He was that shit. Um, <laughs> you know, Luke Howell, uh, Julian Kelly, Stephen Hunt. Do you know what I mean it was lone player after lone player? And my worry is that even though you need the natural transi- great transition, you have to transition from something to something in a coherent manner. If you just change it completely, it's not a transition, is it? A transition mm. is something that happens smoothly and and and. I say naturally that you know what i mean yeah um and that's still a, not my not not a concern but it's still something that i've got in the back of my mind that if you look at the starting 11 from the first game of the season and you look at the starting 11 yesterday you know you don't want to see so many changes that suggest that we were battling relegation over that period of time and i think that's the only thing that's that sticks in my mind a bit
0: yeah i think um i think that's that's understandable, but I, 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 I don't really know because it's it's like you say you do, you don't want to have that almost lost lost uh, lost identity, I guess. Um, but at the same time, we've also you know we've also had the the transition of the management team. You know, we've had the transition of, of lots of other things that have also gone on at the same time. You know, we we've, we've got um, we've just got so much going on that like you say it, it's so much happening at, at all at once and I, I just wonder is it i don't know it, it's not necessarily a bad thing um obviously we're seeing a lot of like more quality players come in but like you mentioned you've got five lone players in the squad it's is that is that too many i don't know but no if but we're still, winning games but no
1: i, I suppose it's uh... It's hard in the long term, it, though, yeah. in the long term. This is the problem that Michael has been presented with when he's arrived, is that yes. he w- he's been presented with a squad of which 10, 13 players are out of contract. Mm. So the transition had to start. Yes. And also, if we've got, let's say, let's assume that these rumours about O'Connor and, uh, and, and Bruno are true, we will have sold them to Salford for a fee whereas yes. he could have six months' time persisted playing those players and they leave for nothing, and then that has an impact on the budget. So, um, yeah, I, I just, it's going to be, like you say, there is an awful lot going on, but it's just at the back of my mind, you know, I'm pleased to still see George Grant, Tyler Walker, Joe Morrell, who are all new faces at the beginning of the season, but who have all been integral parts of us coming into League One and settling, and we have settled, yeah, we haven't mm-hmm. torn up trees, but we have settled, and it's the same. You know, Bulger, Erdley, Toffolo. It's nice to see at the back that there's very little tinkering going on. Um, mm. And I, I think, you know, aside from Sunderland, I, I, my perception was that we were all right across the back. Mm. Um, it's all it's all falling into place. It's, it, <coughs> excuse me. It's exciting times, but I think we're we're just apprehensive as well, aren't we?
0: I mean I think the way that I'm looking at this January window is that he's he's bringing in the lone players to make sure that we are in the position that we are at the start of the season next year, you know yeah. that we are we are not going to to capitulate in the last half of the season and, and end up back where we were like like last year. But I think at the same time it's also bringing in the players even though it's on a temporary basis. I think it's bringing in the players that he wants to assert his style on the players that currently exist in the club. And maybe that's the way that he wants to, you know, push people into getting his style of football implemented properly. So, um right. Should we, should we talk a little bit about Bolton or?
1: Yeah, go on then. Yep. Yeah, no worries.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Right. Well, obviously, you know, Bolton are, are a weird team this year. Um They started off with, uh I mean, it was a team with, well, it was youth players, wasn't it? And then they've had, more well, they've had points deducted, and we. I think at the start of the season, when we spoke about this on our like League One sort of preview podcast, I guess, um, you said to me, "Don't fall into the trap of assuming that Bolton are going to go down." Um, I, I, I don't think they can. I, I don't think not they now. can no. stay up at this point. No,
1: no, they did. They, 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 they Not now. They can't. They weren't given. They didn't bring enough players in mm. uh, in the first transfer window. They didn't have a lot of time. Um, yep. This should be a busy window for them, but I know that it's not at the moment. And that just makes me wonder if there's a few, if players, I thought that their name would attract players. Um, yeah. You know, and, and they've let a lot of players go back uh, to parent clubs. Um, for instance, I think uh, Liam Bridcutt, has gone back to Forrest, who was a player who I really rated. Um, they've had a couple of the boys at the back. I can't think of their names now. One went back to Sheffield United. Was it a Clark? Uh, or Wright, sure. Jake Wright. Basically, their centre-back pairing all the way through the season have gone back to the parent clubs. And so they've got a new right, centre-back okay. pairing in now, which is one of them is an old friend of ours, Toto Unsiala, who played for Shrewsbury uh, in the... Uh, Check trade final has played for Ipswich as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're playing Zoomer again at the back as well. So um, they've also lost Valinden, who's the winger who was from Stoke, a young lad. He's gone back as well. So um, it's all changed again. This is as, as good a time to play as there will be them as there is between now and May, because yeah. they haven't brought a large number of players in. Um, they will. So at the moment it's a relatively new, uh, I say, pairing. It's it's Ansala and Zuma. Um, it's still Chicksen and Emmanuel on either fullback flank. And look, you, you look at Bolton being bottom of the league. Adam Chicksen and and Josh Emmanuel could probably play in in a top ten side. They're mm. they're decent. They've been playing different formations. I mean, they started this or they played a bulk of their defeat. Uh, against Rochdale in a in a four three three as such, uh, Man United only Ethan Hamilton played, who um, uh, frankly is 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 a young kid who didn't really make an impression at Rochdale. I think he was on loan at Rochdale, so again, question marks over that. i have got Ronan Darcy, who's one of their own homegrown players, who people were raving about at the beginning of the season. He's he's young. Decent player, um, but again at the minute in terms of impact, questionable. Daryl Murphy and Joe 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 Dodo up front are our um, you know old timers. I mean, Daryl Murphy will give whoever plays centre back for us a few bruises. There's absolutely no doubt whatsoever about that. Hmm. Been around all over the place, uh, and Joe Dodo or Doodoo or whatever people hmm. whatever. I suppose he's he's got a a proper way to pronounce that name, but I don't know it, which is a real shock, isn't it? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So again, he's, you know, I think he's scored three this season. Um, Yeah. Again, I'm... This is a game that we should win. Yes, Not because they're bottom, but it's a game that we should win.
0: Yeah, and I I think I... I will agree with you on that one because it like you say, it, it's not the league position because let's face it, the league position would probably be the same regardless of, of you know however many games they'd won at this point. You know, if you well, maybe South End I just as an aside, what the bloody has happened to South End this season? It's horrendous. Um but yeah, I think in terms of in, in terms of the the sheer instability at that club and it almost seems like they're going to put out a different first 11 this week. I mean, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the, um, I've got the the website up at the moment for for their players from this season. There are 35 different players that have played for Bolton this season. Mm.
1: Predominantly, that's because they were playing the youth team in the first 10 games. Yes. So predominantly there's a, you know, you, you take probably 10 or 12 off that.
0: Yeah, but I mean, even so, that's that's ridiculous to yeah. have to, to have that many players come through. Um, I mean, yes, you know, there's a couple of them that only have ninety minutes under their belt, yeah. but <sighs> it's ridiculous. It they're, really
1: a vic- they're a They're I'd
0: say they're a victim of circumstance.
1: They're not. They're a victim of everything that happened last season. And I get that. And yeah. I, I fancied Richard Hill to turn it around. I thought that they would bring better players in um, than they have managed to. They've brought decent players in, but, you know, when I saw Liam Bridcutt went there, who's a player that I've kind of admired for... Not admired, but, you know, rated for a while and thought that he'd do a massive job in League One. He didn't. Um, the boy Valinden, I was really excited about seeing him in action. Hasn't happened. Um, Politic. I don't think he's played for a while, has he? Is it Politic? Politic? Um, uh, Dennis Politic. You've you've got the website up. I'm, I'm doing it from... Um,
0: Dennis Politic, yeah, yeah.
1: Now he was a Manchester United youngster, I believe, and he's another one that I I quite fancied uh, to have a really good season for them. And it kind of it hasn't hasn't happened. Uh, they've recently let Will Buckley go, I think, in, and he plays in the midfield. It's a high turnover, I believe. Um, that Keith Hill's probably preparing a little bit for next season. And look, make no mistake, the likes of Politic and, and, and Ronan Darcy and uh, they've got the boy Edwards in midfield, Liam Edwards. Yeah, all players that the more senior football the play, they play, uh, the, the better they're, they're going to be. Um, mm. But you know, look, when you look at their results, though, over the last couple of weeks and, and, and take away from the fact they're bottom, because they would be, I think, if you took their points deduction into account, I think that they would be second bottom, wouldn't they?
0: Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. By by quite a distance because yeah. I say South End are just capitulating.
1: Yeah, you, you you look at their results, and I mean they lost two uh, 0 at home to Rochdale, four three know, at home to Burton Albion, so they put three past Burton Albion, which isn't bad going. They lost to Accrington Stanley, drew at Wimbledon, beat Milton Keynes, uh, beat Fleetwood, I believe. Um, you know that I know this is going back over a few months, but. They can win games. So there won't be any underestimating. This isn't the team of kids that are turning up that we should roll over five 0 despite the fact they got tonked seven nil by Accrington Stanley uh hmm. recently. Um yeah. they're unpredictable. They did, yeah. you know, they turn in unpredictable results. Bolton won Shrewsbury won. That was the day that was just before uh New Year, twenty ninth. Sunderland nil, Bolton nil, Boxing Day. Bolton Wanderers three, Southend two on uh, just before Christmas. Only lost one nil away at Peterborough. You know, held Wimbledon at home, so they're capable of getting results. You know, I just I think if we play the right type of football, we don't get sucked into any games, um, anything like that. I, I I think we can probably come away with like a maybe a two one win, two nil win.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's probably a decent shout I think uh, you know like you say keep the discipline keep the stick to the game plan and can't really foresee too many problems but what's there'll be problems come back to
1: yeah there'll be problems don't get me wrong because you know they've got decent footballers they have Mm. but away from home their xg is 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 poor um but then again you see you can't take any of their season stats into consideration because they're skewed by their opening games. I mean, I say yeah. their XG is poor away from home, but if you go back to their... Um, I think that's actually over there, the, the calendar. But if you if you go back so their XG at home is uh, away from home, I beg your pardon, it's 0.54. So they should only score a goal every other game. And their opponent's XG is 2.85. So according to the stats, they lo- should lose anywhere from 2-1 to 3-0 every time they go away from home but if you take if you look at their xg from their first few games which was losing 2-0 to Wickham 0.06 so literally they were they could have played 100 games and they would have got one goal according to that or they no 50 games they would have got one goal and then uh, it was 0.5 0.4 they played Gillingham away from home 0.15 so their numbers are really skewed because once you start, once you take out those those games and you start looking at some of the other games that they've played, 1.05 at Accrington Stanley when they lost 2-0, uh, 1.34 away at Rochdale, uh, which was the last game, they, they should have drawn one all with Rochdale, potentially beaten 2-1 according to the XG. Now, I know that people say it's a bullshit stat. If you don't take it, if you just take it as an indication rather than 1.34 was what they should have scored, but yeah, it indicates that they had better chances than Rochdale and they had 14 shots on goal, five on target against Rochdale this weekend and lost two now. Hmm. So mind you, they did concede a lot of possession and that's interesting because hmm. you know what, we actually conceded a lot of possession to Shrewsbury and on the basis of the second half, I didn't think that was going to be the case. Hmm. Uh, anyway, right. I mean, there we go. I just, I just think let's not get too carried away with the fact that we're playing Bolton Wanderers who are bottom.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah, it's it, it, it. It's not. I'm not going to turn around and say, oh, that you know the, the the league position. They're not where they should be. But I mean, they are where they should be. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. I'm not going to turn around and say that. But yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult situation over there. But you're not going to find too much sympathy for me on Tuesday night. No. Um, if
1: if all I'd say is if you took their first. 10 games let's say mm-hmm. and put the bolton that played this weekend in those 10 games bolton wouldn't be in the bottom 3
0: oh yeah absolutely
1: and if you took their points deduction off but what i'm saying is in well, terms yeah. of uh, <laughs> do you know what i mean in terms of physically kind of if you take all of the little the, the 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 bits out take the youth team out take the 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 points deduction out and put the bolton that we're going to play on tuesday night Mm. in the context of a 44-game or 46-game league season, mm. this Bolton Wanderers is good enough to avoid relegation. They won't because of the early games and because of the points deduction. But mm. this team is not as bad. This isn't as much of a gimme as playing Southend at home.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's probably a decent spot to to wrap up. I mean, yeah. I, I, I will say one thing. I don't understand XG. I, I just, I don't understand how it works, how I've it's calculated. I've explained it. I, I know, but I, there's just something in my head that's like, but, but, but there's the I, thing I is XG is very much perception
1: to some people, isn't it?
0: I think that's what it is. Like it, it, I, I like to base things in, like in fact and, you know, sort of almost like a scientific sort of, right. This is, this is what has happened. So that's it, you know, but I don't know. There's just something about XG that I, I can't get into my brain. And I'm a bit, I don't know. It, it just, like you said, it, it's a bit of a bullshit stat to me. Like, it, it's what, what was the expected goals against Ipswich? You know, what was our XG against Ipswich? And uh, what, know, when, what? We,
1: when we scored five past them?
0: Yeah, you know, we, we are not a team that will score five goals, and all of a sudden we, you know, we put five past Ipswich. We're not a team that should concede six goals, and then look what happens against Oxford. Well, you know, our XG
1: so. Lincoln Ipswich XG was two point oh seven to zero point five nine. You see, that's taking into account the fact that a lot of the goals that Ipswich conceded were by their own doing as well. Mm. And you say in the Oxford game, uh, let me just go down to that. Sorry, you might hear Fee coming down the stairs now because I had to open the door because the dog has been scratching to get in, (laughs) sitting next to me the whole time. Um, Oh, bless him. uh, Where are we? Just go down. This is very much like we're just having a conversation on the phone again, and not having people listen, isn't it? <laughs> um, Oxford's XG against us was one point one three.
0: Yeah, you see, I, this is this is the point at which I think right. Well, there are people that are you know putting large bets on things and substantial sums of money on teams and games based on XG, and I just think that at that point you know, I start to lose the sort of perception of, well, is it just made up nonsense at that point?
1: No, of course it's not. Because if it was made up nonsense, there would be no basis for it. And there's basis for it. So they will Mm. say uh, like a a one-on-one chance is worth this. Or, you know, if if one of the shots that you've had has come from, you know, 35 yards, that will get, well, that will be very, very, very low on the XG scale, purely because you're not actually expected to score the goal from there. Whereas... If you're sent forward four times, finds himself stood on the penalty spot with no goalkeeper and the ball at his feet, the expected goals will be. I think I think the highest they give any chance is 0.5. So I think any chance at all has got a 50-50 opportunity not to go in. I, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I'm not a, a master of the finer points, but I do know that XG data in the end, tends to prevail. And the classic is Plymouth Argyle. They finished just outside the top 10, not last season, the season before. But their XG was terrible. And they were scoring wonder goals to win games. And uh, it, George Ellick and um, Ali Maxwell on the Not in the Top 20 pod are massive on XG. And George Ellick, the next season, said Plymouth will go down because their XG is terrible. They're not creating good chances consistently. And that's where XG comes in. And okay, you look at the oxford game 1.07 versus 0.63 to us so they they you know the xg suggested oxford should have won that game uncomfortably. but the point is that if our xg was 0.6 0.0 this 0.0 that every week then we would have then we would have an issue but it's not i mean I just so just to give you an idea while we're on the subject if i was to say to you this season do you think that we would have better xg than our opponents Worse XG, or more or less the same on the balance of the games. What would you say? Possibly better. More or less the same. Our XG oh, okay. in all competitions. This is so you. I, I tell you what. We'll do, in all competitions, our our expected goals per game is one point two two, and we have scored one point two three. So actually, yeah, okay. that's that's yeah. What do I mean? Whereas our XG against is one point two. But we've conceded 1.3 a game. Now, okay. just in, but in the league, so you take games out like Everton and stuff like that. In actual fact, our XG is 1.13 and against is 1.09. So there you are. It's slightly in our favour, or it should be. Hmm. Um, and I know that a lot of people who have listened to this will just go, it's absolute nonsense. But <laughs> they will. And you, do you know what? People are, I, I respect people's opinion if that's what they choose. But, um, you know, the Sunderland game is a classic example. We gave Sunderland three chances, the two of which they absolutely should have scored, and their XG was 2.86. It's accurate in that respect. And our XG against Sunderland, 1.1. So in that respect, the game panned out to XG. So... Hmm. I, I will continue to use it, not because I believe that you know the naught point seven is is accurate, you know a 0.7 to a naught point eight, but it is a really good guide to one whether you were in control of a game and got the result you deserved, and two whether your league position is 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 real or false.
0: Hmm. No, I, I I just I think there was something about it that that didn't quite sit. It, it to a point it doesn't still but it, there's something that doesn't quite sit in my brain about like okay how is that calculated and how is it you know how is it done but anyway we've talked about that for enough now i think um it's probably a decent time to, to wrap it up um is there anything else that we need to talk about briefly or shall mm. we say goodbye
1: we could have talked about new signings, but yeah, I think there's. I think the the talk's been done there, so um, I, I think we we wrap it up.
0: Excellent. Okay. Like a well, um, like a Christmas present, or as Tim Westwood used to say during the Radio One sex uh, safe sex campaigns, wrap it up before you slap it up. And yeah, uh, here's your weekly reminder that Tim Westwood is somewhere in the region of about sixty years old at this point. Thank How's you, that a
1: Weekly reminder. It's the first time you've ever done that.
0: Yeah, but I... I didn't know not,
1: how old Tim Westwood was. If you'd reminded me last week, I would have been a lot better. <laughs> you can't okay, say something's a weekly reminder. Here's a reminder, a one-off reminder from Ben about the age of somebody who you don't think about on a weekly basis. Okay, that right. We should make how that a feature.
0: <laughs> Tim Westwood is 62 years old. There we go. There you've, you go.
1: you've got to pick a different celebrity every week and we'll probably forget next week whose age is a massive surprise and we'll all rate how big surprise it actually is and if you don't surprise us enough uh, then we'll get another host Uh,
0: I mean you can get another host but you're also going to have to get another person that does all the editing
1: (laughs) no you can keep doing that
0: (laughs) (laughs) see I've got you by the balls on that one you know that if you lose me you lose everything (laughs) you'd love to have (laughs) So yeah, um, yeah. Tweet us how surprised you were on a scale of one to ten at Winstano and at Stacy West blog. And uh, we, will... <laughs> I don't know. What how surprised? I, it's in my. Swiss it's system. recording on a Sunday, mate. That's what it is. Oh That's yeah, we're
1: still recording. We're not just on the phone, aren't we? We'll are wrap it up then, really. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, guys. We will see you on Thursday for some more chat, undoubtedly talking about some of the people that have left Lincoln City Football Club. But so, uh, yes. All right. We'll see you then. Take care. Bye bye.
1: Boom. The big dog. So <laughs> 90th minute And all your mates are around watching the imps on iFollow You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go Your mates already got booked for double dipping But then you steal the last nugget Snatching all three points Perfect Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.